One, two, three, four. Palapalooza. Palapalooza. We're talking to you. I'm Palapalooza. Chris Broken Arms. <laughs> How's it going, brother? Has it been a while since you've heard that name? You know, I think it has. Has it? It's been a couple years. Be- yeah, a couple years. Believe it or not, that shit's on Wikipedia, dude. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> Have you checked out your Agent 51 Wikipedia? It's pretty uh, thorough. Yeah, you know, I, I do check up on it from time to time just to see if it's still there. It's still there, dude. Like, Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. 1998, you and I shared the stage together at Soma. My band was Fat Chance. Oh, cool. Yeah, I remember you guys. Yeah, we were, you know, local boys. But uh, I think it was us, you, Lucky Seven, yep. maybe Dogwood, and uh, maybe I think even Pivot. That was a big show. That's right. That's right, man. Those were the days when you could just, uh, when there was a band on every corner. You know, you could walk down the street and there's a band playing in every garage. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And actually people in the audience, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Lead singer and guitarist of Agent 51. You guys were active from about, what, 95 to 2005, mainly here in San Diego? Mainly, yeah, mainly. Chris Broken Arms, do you want to, you know, going back to... Uh, the open of the episode here. What's the backstory on that uh, that nickname there? Yeah, so the backstory to that is we were set to go into the studio in two weeks, and at the time I was working as a custodian at uh, an elementary school, and I'd accidentally locked myself into the building, into the like perimeter of the building, Yeah. Um, and I thought it'd be a good idea to scale the roof and jump off the roof at the lowest point. So uh, when I jumped off, my foot got caught in the the rain gutter and pivoted my whole body forward so that I'm now parallel to the ground. And when I, when I landed, I broke my wrist. So uh, we, um, we had to delay the the recording by a few months. And um, when I went in to record, I recorded our whole first record with a cast on. So for whatever reason, the name stuck. <laughs> That's rock star. That's pretty rock star, dude. You know? <laughs> yeah, just the record's got to be made. Yeah. And I think that's why it sounds so simple is because I couldn't really move my hand that that <laughs> that dynamically over the fretboard. It's just basic chords, you know? Just fifths, just power chords, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's punk rock, dude. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You had the November reunion show I saw that was at Mainstream in Poway with our friend Justin Lin, right? How was that? Yeah, that was cool. We were kind of taking it back full circle. Um, totally. We started playing shows in Poway just because um, we could. You know, we we just called up the local Elks Lodge and paid 200 bucks to rent out a room and started making flyers and charged $3 a head. That's right. And started doing shows at the Elks Lodge. Um, yeah. Blink actually showed up to one, to one of those. We We did kind of a fundraising fundraising gig for uh to record our first you know demo tape 
I sound like an old man saying that. Tape, cassette cassette. Tape, but, um, I think I saw that on one of your social media pages, a picture of your cassette, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really antiquated, but that's how it, how it was done. Everything was analog. I call it the analog days, you know, when um, you had to actually go out there and physically do everything, you know? Totally. I kind of miss it sometimes. Yeah, a little bit. Um, that was kind of on my list of things to to chat with you about for sure. I mean, being active from ninety five to two thousand five, obviously everything's changed so much, right? I mean, I have Alexa here, and yeah. I could probably say, "Hey, Alexa, play Agent Fifty One," and uh, I haven't tried it. Let's see, Alexa, play Agent Fifty One. Playing songs by Agent Fifty One from Spotify. <laughs> She's playing like she's my heroine or something. Alexa, turn it off. Right. What are your thoughts on on how it's changed so much, man? Well, just the fact that you can talk to a computer and it'll play <laughs> your song. I mean, that's that's something I don't even think we could have conceived of. I mean, that was something you saw in the Jetsons. Right. I know. You know, dude. when, when yeah. we were growing up, and you know, for those of you listening who don't know what the Jetsons are, it's a really <laughs> old cartoon. <laughs> we're kind of living that era. We, we are in the future for sure. Yeah, I think I think the one thing I miss is being able to go into a, a record store without knowing what the album's going to sound like at all. Right. And just picking up the record and looking at it, feeling it breathe in your hands, looking at the artwork, wondering what these guys were up to. How did they make this record, you know? And yeah. and probably more important than that is just bringing it home, sitting, sitting down, mm-hmm. putting a pair of headphones on and listening to it without any other distractions. Right. You know, it's like, it's almost like people don't really listen, just listen to music anymore. It's something you put on right. in the background while you're doing something else. And in those days, music was something that you sat down and you, you listened to. You, you sat down in a dark room or on your couch and with nothing else to do and just absorbed all this energy. And right. um, I find that hard to do myself these days to be honest. Yeah. Is it just our minds have adapted to our surroundings and so many different uh, things going on around us? Yeah. It's like our, our, our pre cro magnum brains aren't developed yeah. <laughs> yet for all this new stimulation. And I think the, the real artists that shine through are the ones that can actually focus on one thing long enough to make a real good piece of work. Right. You know? It's almost like in this day and age, you have to be great at branding and marketing and design. And uh, I've had a lot of local bands say that, you know, it's, you've got to be well-rounded to really package yourself and stand above the rest because it is, you know, with social media, it is sort of oversaturated. There's, there's a ton of bands out there that are able to get their name out there. There's still talent. There's still just as much talent, but mm-hmm. it's like the old fashioned bulletin board is now... Instagram, you know, where everyone's posting their flyers and, and you really have to be a cut above to really stand out, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's a really great analogy, that bullet, bulletin board analogy. Totally. Um, and it's like the biggest bulletin board in the world, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know? I remember going to like SDSU because there were kids, you know, that wanted to go to shows and we'd put our flyer up at the bulletin board at, uh, you know, at state and different colleges and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you could rip a number off a flyer and and join a band in about 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, there's pros and cons. I like reminiscing with old school guys. We're, we're old, bro. Get, get off my lawn, yeah. you kids. <laughs> get off my lawn. 
Yeah, you know, you know the great thing about this new age is it kind of if you have the drive, if you have the know-how, it puts all the power in your hands. Like totally. back when Agent Fifty One was coming up, we had to rely on label funding to record our music and distribute it. Right. And now it's the wild west. It's like if you have the right vision and you have good songs, it's like you can do it all yourself. You don't need a label. Yeah, you can do it all yourself. It just it just takes that dedication and that time. And I think you know a lot of bands are kind of hopping on that bandwagon just saying, you know what, I'm just going to do a DIY and do it that way. Totally agree. But it's been so long since I've tried. Yeah, it's been so long since I've tried. It's Yeah, label-wise, I think you guys were with Alphabet, right? Red Alert was released, 98. Mm -hmm. Again, Wikipedia, thank you. 2003, the Red and the Black, I think, was uh, Surf Dog Records, right? Yep, Surf Dog Records, right here in San Diego. Surf Dog, they have... We were label mates with um, Brian Setzer Orchestra, Sprung Monkey. Very cool. Um, I think the Butthole Surfers had a release on there. Um, A lot of surf rock bands. It's just kind of more of a surf-oriented label. They have a small office in Encinitas right across the street from um, Tom DeLong's to the Stars uh, store. Yeah. And uh, they're just kind of a small operation. Very well funded, though. Yeah. Definitely well funded. Yeah, Surf Dog. That that must have kind of catapulted you guys uh, in a lot of ways, right? I think, you know, She's My Heroine received a lot of 91X airplay. Um Mm-hmm. American Rock and Roll was used in the opening episode of MTV. You had some stuff on video games. You were uh, nominated for some San Diego Music Awards, which which just passed. But um, Surf Dog Records must have certainly catapulted you guys up a bit, huh? Yeah, the one thing having a label with that kind of funding does for you is it gives your music a lot broader reach, you know? Yeah. And um, like that that's definitely the pro and the con was like, man, I for the last, you know, six years I've been in this band uh, just writing these punk songs out of a garage and now all of a sudden this, this is a business and I have to figure out how to write you know a quote unquote hit song and tour and figure out how to make a living for an entire group of people and that for whatever reason that thought had never really occurred to me until we got signed to a, a bigger label and um, the pressure was on you know does the pressure get in the way of the the writing process? What sort of effect does that added pressure have? I think just me being young and not having a whole lot of life experience, I think it did. I think it did change the direction of the music to a degree. You know, I think my my challenge was I was trying to market myself too much, and when you market yourself, there's a false note there in the music that I think the listener can always pick up on. Sure. Um, that's not to say that every song was bad on that record, but I think <clears throat> if you listen to the earlier stuff, it's really just more like fun, punk, super fast, super honest, just raw right. energy. Yeah. And when you listen to the newer stuff, it's more like very carefully crafted, I guess I'd say. Yeah. Now in my music, we've, we've kind of come full circle, you know, like I've come full circle with my songwriting, you know, like almost nothing I write now is marketed at all. In fact, um, uh, we just got a mix back for um, an early Agent 51 song we recorded back in 1995. Wow. Which is going to be coming online hopefully within the next month. Um, it's one of the first songs I ever wrote for the band, and um, it's about as honest as anything else um, we've ever written. And our, our first bass player, Jared Herndon, he wrote the lyrics for it. Very cool. What's the name of that one? It's called Running Out of Luck. Brand new banger. Banger. Shit, it's gonna be somebody 
running out of luck. And did you re-record it, or is this a remastering? Or it's a re-recorded. Appeared on the cassette tape you were talking about earlier. Yeah, cool. But it never made it to any any real release, any CD or anything like that. Awesome, man. So that'll be available here pretty soon on all platforms, digital kind of release. Yeah. I look forward to it. So you guys are back in the studio recording and kind of staying active. I think you're playing, from what I've seen, maybe once a year, kind of reunion shows, right? Yeah, we're all split up in different parts of the country now. So Oh, you are? Yeah, Mike's out in Connecticut, um, Greg's in LA, and uh, Eric and I are still here in San Diego. So, cool. <clears throat> you know, once a year is doable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But uh, yeah, I'm just really thankful there's there's like a demand out there for us to play, you know, like it's pretty amazing to me that um, there's still people like showing up to these reunion shows. It's really, really awesome. I'm really thankful that there's still a thing out there. People enjoy the music that much. Yeah, I'm stoked for you guys. I would love to do a reunion with uh, an old band. You know, we didn't really have a huge following or anything, but... Dude, it, it, that's what it's all about. I was kind of thinking about that the other day, and it's really the, the music that you like is that music that brings you back to your youth, you know? Like, yeah. whether it's good or bad, it, it brings you to a certain time in your life, and I, I think that most of your fans sort of have that experience with you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's a totally true statement. Like, when I when I think of, like, all the records I listened to in high school, like Operation Ivy and the, or those early Rancid records and and Pennywise and, and Green Day, you know, they bring me back to that place. And it's like, you can't put a dollar value on that. So that's definitely something to be noted. Totally. Yeah. You guys played July uh, 2018 at Casbah with Swindle and Classified, man. Talk about local legends there. How was that? That was really cool. That was a packed house. And I mean, I that show was just super, super like nuclear. It was like... You know, it's like you can't really get much better than that for me. Like, I'd, I'd almost prefer like a really packed small place to like a huge venue, you know, with kind of a sparse crowd. Yeah, absolutely, man. And talk about like a local, just a great local legendary punk rock lineup, man. A swindle, classified, all you need in there is like pivot, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what made it so special, you know, like all those bands, like, stopped what they were doing and you know those guys in those bands stopped what they were doing and said you know what? yeah let's get on board let's do this let's get all the equipment out and all the old songs out and see what happens you mentioned the guys from blink i'm just curious did you run into them quite a bit back in the day i think you guys went to poway high right yeah i had a couple classes with tom did you yeah we had tv video and film class together and um I remember one day Tom walked into class with this Ziploc bag full like five dollar bills and ones and a bunch of change and a stack of demo tapes. He's like, "Chris, you want you want to buy a tape?" And like, I at the time like I almost felt sorry for him that he was having to hawk these tapes to people, but I bought one. Nice. And um, was that Cheshire Cat or was that before then? That was um that was a demo tape called Flyswatter, and I wish I still had it because right. had like Tom's number on it, and <laughs> I mean who knows how much that'd be worth on eBay. <laughs> we kind of developed a friendship from there i guess you'd say or or a relationship i guess and uh, we ended up my first punk band called open fast ended up opening for blink a couple times at soma uh, when they were first coming up 
Wow, very cool, man. How was he in class? He was the exact same guy he is now, the exact same dude. Yeah. Yeah, so none of that's fake. None of that's show business. That's all exactly his personality. You can like the music or not like it, but the, you know you can't say they're not being authentic. Yeah, I think he is. I think that dude has always been true to who he really is. I mean, he's yeah multi-millionaire playing music and decides to sort of do his own thing and and pursue <laughs> aliens dude right i mean yeah that's kind of a common interest that you guys share for sure right absolutely yeah no question that's something i've always been into i think your original band name was area 51 right yeah and we got <clears throat> we got worried over copyright concerns because at that time there was a video game out called area 51 and People were kind of hopping on the bandwagon of um, naming stuff Area 51. So we just thought, you know what, why not change it before the, the lawsuit comes through the, the front doorway? Not a bad idea. Yeah, and it was, it was Greg's idea to wear all the suits and stuff like that. Which is cool. You know, again, it goes back to sort of marketing, branding yourself a little bit. Yeah, totally. I feel like that sets you apart from others. Yeah, I figured if people were going to... Um, pay to come see us they should at least get some kind of visual along with the music yeah like, hey fuck it let's put a tie on let's let's dress up a little bit <laughs> yeah <huh? laughs> yeah the man in black thing you know any current conspiracies i mean the the, the planet is in uh, interesting condition right now man are are aliens involved with anything happening right now uh, yeah, good question. Yeah. You know, I, I really want to salute Tom for moving the ball forward on, on his end of things, you know. I mean, he's at least made it easier for pilots to report this type of stuff um, up the chain, which I think is really important. And, um, you know, if aliens are here and they're visiting us, they're, they sure are um, finding a good way to hide themselves. So, Right. I'm not sure there will ever be like 100% proof until a craft or something like lands on uh, the White House lawn or something like that. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole nother three hour conversation. I know it really is. <laughs> Dude, a UFO landing on the White House lawn would not surprise me in the least right, right. now. Bro. Exactly. Yeah, in the current climate, yeah. In the current climate that would definitely not surprise me either. I've kind of always been I'm a, I'm a huge believer. My mom actually saw a UFO when she was pregnant with me. That's what mm -hmm. she claims. Um, and I believe her. Yeah. But I've always been, or, or I've always wondered about these sort of like alien ant farm theory, you know? Mm -hmm. if, if we're just sort of a, an alien ant farm in a lot of ways, and if, if aliens are sort of, or some sort of, you know, higher intelligence is, is keeping an eye on us and, and uh, maybe influencing us in certain ways, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that all the time. You know, it's like, it seems like there's just enough evidence for us to know they're here, but not enough to prove it on a massive worldwide scale. Totally. And that's what I find really interesting is that there's so much photographic evidence and so much, um, there's even physical evidence, but at the end of the day, we all have to get up and go to work. So like I said, this is a whole nother three hour conversation, but yeah. I totally resonate with what you're saying. Like who knows where it goes from here? You know, I think, with the way social media has risen in the last 20 years, you know, people are going to start asking questions. And I think all we really need from here is another Phoenix lights type thing to kind of blow it wide open. Because at the time that incident happened, people didn't have cameras in their phones. So you can really go a long way toward proving the credibility of something by getting multiple 
angles of footage on it. Yeah. And with today's day and age with video editing, it's just so hard to know what is real and what's sort of doctored up. No, exactly. Exactly. And that just, that just muddies the water even more. Yeah. So yeah, just having credible data is, is the way forward. I think. I'm just waiting for Elon Musk's head to open up and a tiny little alien to pop out of there. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Again, wouldn't surprise me at all, dude, but... uh, Yeah, I think he gave his patent away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to talk aliens with you for, uh, you know, at least a few minutes being Agent 51, right? Yeah, yeah. You can can call me anytime and talk aliens, man. I could talk about it for hours. Sounds good. So what are you guys planning on uh, here in the next you know, year or two? What's, what's the plan with Agent 51? You have a new single coming out. Obviously no shows, unfortunately. Yeah, no shows, no shows right now. I mean, um, we're all open to playing you know, that once a year reunion show. Cool. But uh, yeah, right now it's just a single. I got another like quote unquote solo project I'm working on. It's kind of like Tom Petty, Americana, a little bit of country influence. Um, oh, don't, man. The first, um, the first music I listened to before I got into punk was country. I was raised um, in a traveling kind of Navy brat rodeo family. So I'm nice. kind of returning to all those roots now, exploring a lot of that. And um, hopefully that'll be out within the next year. Cool. So that's kind of what I'm doing. And then, um, you know, along with the new agent stuff, just kind of got a lot of spinning plates. I'm just kind of a lot of irons in the fire, you know? Yeah, very cool. What's that uh, side project called? Right now, um, it's called Chaparral Gold. Okay. And then um, I'm, the CD is going to be called just, it's going to be self-titled, just Chris Arms, I think. Okay. And unless I can come up with a better stage name. Yeah. Break your other arm or something. I don't know. Break your leg, Chris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Chaparral Gold is your side project, and that's going to be, uh, you plan to release something here pretty soon? Yeah, right now we're just, um, we can't play any live gigs, so it's hard to get the word out if you can't play, but, um, yeah, we're just, um, we're just practicing our set and crafting our songs, trying to get better at what we do. And when the time, um, comes to, uh, to play a show, we will be booking gigs. So hopefully all this practice time, all this downtime will pay off. Are you guys jamming? Yeah. Yeah. We got a little, we we got a little rehearsal space at our guitar player's house and we, we jam once a week and just. You know, uh, pour a little tequila and just have some fun, basically. There you go. Yeah, it's got to be. It's kind of cool being older, huh? And having a bit of a different perspective. Yeah, you know, um, I wish I had the same frame of mind I have now back then. You know, I would have, I would have done things so much differently. But you know, I, w- I wish I would have had more fun on tour. That's that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you guys tour? What were some notable tours? So the majority of our touring, um, we did two national tours. Cool. In the early 2000s, 2002, 2003. And we, most of our touring was West Coast, Southwest, like Phoenix, um, LA, San Jose, San Francisco, Chico. Um, That's usually the extent of our touring uh, beyond the two national ones. But it was really cool <clears throat> getting to go on our first national tour back in the early days of the internet, like MySpace days, because by the time we got to Jacksonville, we realized we had we had fans out there that knew our songs. I mean, that just blew our minds. We couldn't believe it. These days, it wouldn't be that much of a surprise. But back then, it was like, wow, you know, like right. people have actually heard of our music all all the way across the country, and we've never even been here. 
Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, that was probably when uh, mp3.com was just coming out? Yeah, mp3.com, MySpace, MySpace. GarageBand, mp3, yeah, all that stuff. Shout out, Tom, MySpace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, Tom. <laughs> MySpace did not survive, did it? It got eaten up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, it did not. Yeah. I think it's the uh, abandoned amusement park of the internet yeah. at this point. Yeah, exactly. Would you guys go solo? Did you have a band that you tour with? Uh, were there any big headliners that you, you jumped on with? We toured 10 Days with Slightly Stupid. Very cool. They were kind enough to, to bring us on tour with them. That's huge. It was super cool, them being San Diego guys. And um, other than that, we just booked the tours ourselves. That was back when you had to call a venue and say, hey, you know, we're, we're a band yeah. from San Diego. Here's our music. Um, and they'd say, hey, we'll, we'll give you 100 bucks and uh, some beer and some food or a pizza <laughs> and send you on your way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can do that this day, but... Um, you could certainly do it back then. <laughs> yeah. Very DIY. Yeah, you guys would just hustle and, and kind of book it all yourself. That's that's very cool. And looking back, you said you'd, you know, you kind of wish you had more fun. Was it just sort of the grind that would get to you and just certain ways you, you could appreciate it maybe a little bit more? Yeah, I think I think the van breaking down and the, the grind and the empty shows, that's all kind of part of the journey. And right. if you set your expectations up for that, you'll have a lot more fun. You know, you can't expect every show to be great and right. perfect and everything to go your way. There's going to be missed shows and, and missed meals and sweaty armpits and all that <laughs> stuff. Just embrace it all, you know? Isn't that like, I'm still learning this, 39, I'll be 40 this year, but isn't that life in general? I mean, you could apply that to life in general, you know, those those foul-ups and those fucked-up days, you just sort of have to look past them and just keep moving on, it's sort of speed bumps, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really great analogy for life, you know, if you, if you just lean into the uncomfortable aspects of life, you know, and what they have to offer in terms of your growth, I think probably be a lot happier person. At least I am. Right. I embrace the challenge. I don't like the idea of like life winning, you know? Right. <laughs> that's the way I look at it. No, that's yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that the other day. I mean, given the past few months, it's been rough. I think for everyone as cliche as it sounds, there's always some sort of lesson to be learned, especially during those downtimes. Right. Yeah, and just looking back at all the stuff I've been through personally and all the stuff the band's been through, it's like, you know, there's definitely definitely been a lot more good times than bad times. And like, even for the bad times, I'm thankful because you just you just learn to be thankful with, with what you have and, right. and to be alive and to be doing this thing, even if it's for two people in El Paso. You know? Yeah, it makes the sweet, uh, the salt makes the sweet a little bit sweeter. <laughs> yeah, well said. I can't say it any better than that. We just had Dogwood on, Josh Kimball. You guys probably go back, right? Yeah, yeah. We we played with them, I think, more than a few times at, at Selma Side Stage. Yep, he's doing well, and he uh, has a side project. Him and a couple guys from Dogwood have a side project called... Uh, St. Didicus. So check that out. For sure. Any message to the San Diego music scene? Um, I'll just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the support and keeping the bands alive and coming to the shows and, and buying the merch and just continuing to, you know, support us online and listen to our music. I think, I think that's pretty much what I want to say is just thanks for, um, for being there, especially in the early days and making it part of a community that still resonates to this day. I don't, 
I don't know if there's a lot, if that community still exists out there in, in the local music scene today, but I'm sure thankful that it did when, when we were coming up. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm in an active project. We, we played quite a bit before COVID. Um, and the scene in San Diego now is, is thriving, dude. It's, it's really good. Uh, it's very supportive. Good. I feel like it's more, more supportive than it was even in the late nineties, early two thousands. You know, everyone seems to be united and, uh, extremely supportive of, of one another. So it's kind of nice. That's good. You know, I've been, I've been so out of touch with the local, like youth punk scene, music scene that, um, me and my girlfriend, we've been thinking about just going to Soma on a random night and just seeing what's out there, you know? Totally. Or yeah. Just any as, venue. <laughs> as soon as they open back up, man. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I'm thinking really 2021. I think 2020 is just a wash. Yeah. I think it's probably realistic to say at this point. Right. But if it opens up sooner, I will be there. Right. It's such a cool thing. I mean, I think the one positive from all of this kind of to take it back is, you know, having all of this taken from us, our music, our live shows, you know, everything involved there, it does give us a new perspective and appreciation for it. I mean, it is a very cool thing what we do, jump up on there, jump up on the stage and, and play music and entertain. It's it's a fun cool thing <laughs> yeah yeah no question i was i was just talking with a buddy of mine about that today i just thought man like was i just taking the simple things for granted you know just being able to go out to a show being able to go out to a bar and have a drink and like i think when everything finally opens up i think i'm going to come back to it with a definitely a new sense of appreciation and depth no question yeah i think it's definitely recharging musicians for sure and and maybe a a a well-needed break for some you know i mean going on four months here i think enough is enough but (laughs) yeah unreal i have a lot of local buddies that uh they don't mind a little break but you know again i think we'd like to see it get back yeah and and who knows you know who knows what this downtime has done for a lot of bands you know in terms of their creativity maybe instead of touring they've they've been able to sit down and write that record they've wanted to write for a long time. Who knows what kind of albums we're going to get to see. So it should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. That's a great point. Yeah, there's plenty of subject material out there for writing right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no question. I've I've been writing left and right, you know. We'll we'll see what happens. I look forward to hearing it. Yeah, with your new project. That'll be great. Yeah, yeah, stay in touch, uh, shoot me an email and I'll I'll send you what I'm working on. Cool, brother. We'll do a quick dream segment with you, all right? Sure. If you could press rewind and go back to any show tonight, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Green Day, Unwritten Law, Buck 09, Soma, Downtown, Union Street. Wow. Uh, this would be 1993. Okay, I was going to say 94. May 30th, 1993. Um it was the first Green Day show I ever went to. They looked like hippies back then. Yeah. And they had like purple hair and stuff. And um, I was in the mosh pit and I saw an unwritten law sticker on the on the mosh pit floor. And I, I zipped it up and I floated over the crowd and I did like a sky hook motion with my hand and slammed it down on the monitor in front of Billy Joe. And he, he picked up the sticker and put it on his, his guitar. Yes. And I'll never forget that moment for the rest of my life. And, you know, like. It seemed like such a victory for me at the time, and like I had no idea at the time that we'd end up getting signed by uh, him and his label. And who was that? Whose label? Billy Joe's label. He signed us to his label, um, Adeline Records. That's who we put our second record on. Wow, I did not know that. Okay, incredible. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd say that was probably the show. The show that started it all. 
for me. That's so cool, man. Speaking of Green Day, dude, wasn't there... And I don't even know if you want to talk about this, but wasn't there some sort of controversy with Boulevard of Broken Dreams? Yeah, so um, we put out a record in... We put out our Surf Dog record. Yeah. And then um, Green Day put out their American Idiot record in 2004. We put out ours in 2003. And our label was making a fuss about uh, a similar riff that appeared on their record <laughs> right yeah and uh the song in question for us is called she's my heroine and the song in question for them is of course boulevard of broken dreams uh, 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 uh. they didn't really our label didn't really make a fuss until uh the, that song won a grammy and then they, were, they just then all the lawyers got involved and oh wow it was just really crazy wow okay. yeah and, like there's there's a big gag order on the whole thing. And like, it's just, it, it really, it really kind of, um, bummed me out on the music industry for a while. Cause it's just like, so I, I just, I just never knew, knew that dark side of the music industry existed. Yeah. I looked up to that band for so long and like just seeing how, you know, their lawyers and our lawyers just fighting back and forth. I thought, God, man, this, this is not what I got into music for. And I'm sure they felt the same way, you know? Yeah, it can get ugly for sure. Yeah. Um, I, th I tend to think, you know, with punk rock, there's only 12 notes in music. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty similar, yeah. but I, I think maybe my, my insight is that it was just a coincidence, right? Just similar. Oh, no question. Right. Every song's already written. Right. You know, yeah. unless you're Tom Petty or something. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, when you mentioned Green Day's label, yeah, that made me think of that, man. But uh, good yeah. shout out for the show. Yeah, the first time I saw Green Day was Soma 2, Marina Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. That was the first time I crowd surfed, dude. I saw Green Day there. I saw Blink there. Good old Soma. Yeah, that was. I think that was the Insomniac tour. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I had, my, uh, had my broken wrist cast at that show. <laughs> that's so funny bro yeah we were both there we were both at that same show yep but yeah green day the old soma it was just so incredible yeah i remember uh crowd surfing and taking a shoe off and throwing it at billy joe similar story to you dude <laughs> yeah totally they're in my top three for sure uh green day yeah i love them yeah no question no question that's a band i all love to the grave yeah without a doubt so moving on with dream segment here create your dream local show for tonight so venues are back open mm -hmm. agent 51's playing with with three bro bands uh who would they be and and what venue or three any band dude any band any band well let's throw let's throw green day on there how about that we're dreaming <laughs> they'll be headlining uh let's throw the classified on there and we we played with Pivot a million times. I mean, so yeah. it's like an Agent Fifty One show without Pivot wouldn't be wouldn't be right. So right. definitely them too. Gosh, so many bands. It's hard to even nail it down. But that'd be a good bill right there. Agent Fifty One, Green Day, Pivot, and the Classified Man at where Casbah. Yeah, why not? Why not? Or maybe uh, the old Shea Cafe. I mean, what's your favorite venue around town? Favorite venue? Um, gosh, you know, Belly Up's pretty cool. Belly Up's hard to argue with. Absolutely great sound. And uh, a little bit bigger, but yeah, yeah, that's a good shout yeah. out. I heard the Kava Lounge just closed. Tim Piles shared that. Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't surprise me, man. I'm, I'm uh, honestly, I'm really happy to see that more haven't closed. I just don't know how bands and uh, uh, I don't know how venues and bars are going to survive all of this. I don't know either. I mean, I, 
I'm hoping some of my favorite places don't shut down, you know, like part of me is like, you know what, just open up everything. And other parts like, no, it's probably better to stay shut down. I don't, I mean, I don't know what to make all this. So I don't either. Yeah. I'm just kind of like you just kind of standing back, just observing. Yeah. I've racked my brain and yeah, I really don't know. I just, I chill at home and enjoy my pool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good move. Good move. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Uh, for local venues, you can go to their websites and, uh, support them by buying merchandise. That's one way to kind of help out. Uh, hopefully more venues don't shut down. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a real shame. You know, like I think there's a lot at the end of the tunnel. I think there's a lot of deep pockets out there who also love music. And I think would come to, come to the aid, a lot of these wet venues. I know the Troubadour was, um, having some trouble there and they, they seemed to get the funding they needed. So yeah. You know, we'll see. Hopefully, let's see what happens. Got to stay optimistic. It's tough right now. Yeah. Five-year goal, man, for you and your music. I'd like to be playing little weekend gigs, you know, like out in the desert somewhere. Uh, just traveling, doing little week-long tours, two-week-long tours. Just really, really loving the music I write, you know. Hopefully, I have a little following. Yeah. You know, my ambitions are just to make the best music I can and uh, play it for people. And beyond that, it's kind of like icing on the cake you know absolutely man i wish the very best for you man uh what's your your side project once again it's called chaparral gold and then i'll be putting out a solo record here before the end of the year chris broken arms solo material coming soon brother <laughs> i look forward to it yeah well thank you very much for having me i think that was really really cool to get to reminisce for a little bit and say hi to all the other bands for me tell them i'm thinking of them of course man agent 51 it's nice to catch up with you dude uh definite local legends here in san diego and uh, all the best chris you too brother chris agent 51 nice talking with you bro new single coming out running out of luck that we teased in this episode follow agent 51 on social media we mentioned that the kava lounge is closing that's not true they're still fighting to keep their doors open they have a gofundme you can follow kava lounge on facebook for more details you can also search we love kava lounge on gofundme and be sure to help them out in all local venues right now during this downtime we're gonna go unplugged with chris from agent 51 right now he was cool enough to send over a couple of acoustic tracks everyone is doing their best and love is a long road they came out really well here they are check them out Trouble in the valley for me. 
around the sun Everybody's doing their best to make it round the sun Everybody's playing the game Palooza. I'm the Lapalooza. I'm the Lapalooza. 